the book of Hebrews is, is an amazing book, and it talks about uh, the magnificence of Christ and how, how ungraspably great he is. And so uh, Pastor Josh did a great job laying the framework of what we're going to be studying in Hebrews last week when he talked about how Jesus sustains the universe by the power of his word. And so as we jump in today where we continue studying, I, I want to open up with just, just um, a couple of questions for you that, that are super applicable today. So have you guys ever met someone who was really great at something? You know, someone who's really great. It might have been a sports athlete. It might have been uh, a musician. It might have been some pop artist. It might have been, you know, you, you pick it, whatever your thing is. Maybe it was a great business person. Maybe it was a great pastor. It, but you, you met that person. And, you know, the, the names that I think of when I think through these things and names that I've seen in the news, you know, you think of, like, people that are excellent at what they do. You think of, like, the Michael Jordans or the LeBron Jameses of the world. You, you think of, uh, you know, the, the, the favorite artists like Toby Keith or, or Beyonce or, or whoever your, your genre favorite is. Or perhaps you, um, you, you think of, uh, if you're thinking in the world of, like, Christendom, maybe you're thinking of, like, John Piper or you think of, like, Billy Graham, you know, who passed away not that long ago. And as we consider these people... Some of us are like super fans from a distance, right? We're like, man, I love what that person does. They're awesome at their thing. And we'll probably never, many of us will never meet these people, but some of us are crazy fans and we want to pay for that backstage pass or the meet and greet in the dugout or whatever that setting is where you could meet that person for three to five minutes, say hello, introduce yourself, confident they're probably not going to remember your name, maybe get your signature on a baseball card or, or, on, a, or on something, on a t-shirt, on, on, on a fan CD, and, and it's something that you could display in your house so that when people come over, you're like, hey, I met that person, you know, like, look, here's, that was from when I met him, or I got that picture, and as cool as that might be, what if that person, instead of you just being the meter and greeter for three to five minutes, they decided to take an interest in you? You know, what if, what if LeBron James at the end of an interaction said, you know what, I want to personally take time to coach you over the next couple of years and help you be an amazing basketball star. Or maybe that musician says, you know what, I want to, I want to give you vocal lessons over the next three years, and I want to help you become a great musician like me. Or any number of those scenarios, and your, your mind would be blown, right? The, the reality is it's probably not going to happen with almost any of us in this room, definitely not me. And what if, what if someone like John Piper or, or a Billy Graham, you know, I realize he's passed away, but t let's go back 10 years. And what if he was like, you know what, I want to disciple you. I want to train you up to be like Christ. And we would just be floored by the reality of that, right? We would be floored by the reality that someone would want to take that kind of interest and time in our life. But as we get to know these individuals, they're still humans, aren't they? I bet you... If I was being coached by LeBron James, a couple of things would have happened. For one, is, is never going to happen, but he would be working on, you know, my vertical jump, and I'm confident he would have not-so-nice words to say about my lack of vertical jump, okay? He would also have not-so-nice things to say about any of my lack of basketball skills, as the guys at, you know, Sunday nights can attest. I am the laughingstock of the basketball teams, okay, which is totally good with me because I'm not good at it and I've never been trained. But I would find out if that was LeBron James, for example, 
I would find out really quick that LeBron James might be a fantastic basketball player, but he's still a human, right? And character-wise, I'm going to find out all the little warts and things that are not so great. He's a sinner, you know? And even if it was like a Billy Graham, you spend enough time with a sinner, you're going to see them sin. And imagine for a second if you caught one of these people you know, and for you, you're like, well, this is just an imagination thing. Well, I think we can all relate. We all have people that we thought were great at one point, And as we got to know them, we found out they weren't as great as we might have thought they were. Right? For me, you know, for, it might be a grandparent, or it might be like the new boss at the new job, or, or maybe it's a new pastor at a new church that you're attending. And you think, whoa, this person's amazing. For me, it was my grandparents. When I was a little guy, I would stay at my grandparents' house. And it was great. Grandparents are awesome. They give you pop and candy and a regular diet of pizza and TV and games. And at my grandparents' house, they had an acreage, and so they had, like, golf carts. And I think I was about seven when Grandpa was like, here you go, go drive it around. And we wrecked his golf carts, and we did all sorts of stuff, and he didn't even get mad about it. He was like, okay, well, I kind of thought that was happening. I'm glad you're not dead. So, and that was how Grandpa was. He was the best. And then I got older. You know, about the age of 14 or so, I got to start to see some of the other side of my grandpa. You know, I got to see that as great of a grandpa as he was, he wasn't a perfect man. And he had times where we would really just, as grandkids, I mean, and he was getting older too, so that didn't help. But he'd get just irritated at some of the stuff we would do. And I found out he's just kind of a normal guy. He's a great grandpa, but he's a normal guy. And as I got to, and, and when I was four, he was... He was 100 feet tall, and as a grown man, I'm like, you know, he's just, he's just kind of getting there. He's kind of become a little grumpy, and, you know, and he's not, quite, he's not quite that giant of a man I thought he was. But you know what? I still love my grandpa, and I respect him, so I don't want you to take that away as like, oh, Cole's grandpa stinks. That's not what I'm saying. I mean, my grandpa's a great guy, he just, but he's a man. And imagine that person in your life. And imagine you had a videotape of them on their very worst day where they lost it. They lost control and they sinned greatly and they did things that they were ashamed of. And you had that on video. How would that change your perception of that individual? I want you to hold that thought as we jump into the scripture today. Because as we jump into Hebrews, what we're going to see is that uh, the writer of Hebrews, he was addressing something of the day, and that thing of the day was was the topic of angels. Now, angels, they are amazing, powerful spirit beings created by God for a purpose. Okay, so I don't want to minimize angels today, but I want to maximize Jesus. Okay, because the, one of the problems in the early church was people had come to the point where they knew about angels. People had had interactions with angels. Angels had been seen in the Old Testament, and they were incredible. And people had these misnomers about angels, and, and they would pray to angels as if they were deity, and they would exalt angels as if they were on level with Jesus Christ himself. And I think it wasn't because they were... For some, it's not because they were trying to reject Christ. It was, it was just misunderstanding of the role of angels 
and a misunderstanding of who Christ is. And so the writer of Hebrews very clearly paints us a picture of who Jesus is and who angels are so that we can grasp a hold of the difference. So we see the first difference here in verse 5. To which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've become your father? So right away in the book of Hebrews, he begins to address things from the Old Testament. He wanted to bring to bear, the writer of Hebrews wanted to bring to bear the truth of the Old Testament. At the time, they didn't have copies of the Bible like we see them today in their complete form with the Old Testament and the New Testament combined to see. So they were operating primarily out of the Old Testament, out of letters from prophets, and they were operating with letters from the apostles. And the writer of Hebrews... There is much debate about who wrote it. Was, it. was it John? Was it Paul? That doesn't really matter today. What matters is that the writer of Hebrews saw a problem within the early church, and I don't mean an individual church, okay? But I mean within the body of Christ in the early days of the church, a misnomer about angels. And, and I think it's easy to sit in our own context today and wonder, well, man, that's not really a thing today, right? Like, people don't go about worshiping angels, do they? Do they? I'll tell you what, today in our world, there's a lot of confusion about angels. Among the Jehovah's Witnesses, you will find that they believe Jesus is an angel, right? He's an angel, and they don't worship him. You will find uh, among, um, among Roman Catholicism, you'll find people that do worship angels, and they, and they pay them homage uh, much like they do uh, what they refer to as the saints, which include the apostles and then others. And they, and they do saint worship as well as angel worship. And so there actually is confusion in today's world. And a lot of times we as Christians, when we begin to study God's word, have you ever done like a targeted study in God's word where you're studying a subject? Sometimes when we study a subject such as angels, it's very easy to get sucked into the wow factor, right? Like as you learn about angels, they're incredible. And they're amazing, and they're all over Scripture. And you see them doing these incredible things. You see them show up, and they talk to Abraham before they destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They yank Lot and his wife out. They show up in Daniel, and they shut the mouths of lions. They show up in the New Testament, and they talk to Joseph and Mary about the pre-incarnate Christ. And then they talked to Zadok the priest and his wife Elizabeth who would give birth to John the Baptist well after her time of childbearing. And they do these incredible things and they have these miraculous interactions and it's really easy to get sucked into the wow factor of what an angel is, who an angel is, what's the purpose of these angels. And then beyond that, oftentimes when they show up in scripture, they freak people out. They do, they're so incredible. People are just like, awestruck they feel like i might die and they're inclined to worship the angels and typically the angel well actually 100 percent of the time the angel has to say no 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 don't worship me i'm not the right one to worship jesus is distinct is because god calls him his son and his only son and he does it the writer of Hebrews quotes this from a context out of Psalm chapter 2, verses 7, where he's talking about establishing a kingly line from David that will last forever. And that king will be the son of God. That's the son he is. You see, 
Jesus is in a category all by himself, not with angels. And so as we try to grasp an ungraspable greatness of Christ, you need to know first and foremost that he is the son of God. He is named the son of God and in the context of being the ruler of all rulers. So if you're keeping notes, write it down. Jesus is the son of God. He's not an angel. Number two here, Jesus Christ is to be worshipped. So let's read on. It says in verse 6, And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Think about that for a second. So God refers, the, the writer of Hebrews refers to God, and when God brings his firstborn into the world, he's talking about the pre, he's talking about the incarnation of Jesus Christ, okay? So for one, Jesus is the son of God, and he refers to his incarnation, and he talks to him about how all of God's angels will worship him. Did we not see that happen? Just, just, A handful of weeks ago, we were celebrating Christmas. I know it seems like a million years ago now that you've hit your rhythm coming out of the holidays. You know, you're like, oh my goodness, it's been so long since. No, it wasn't. It was like five weeks ago, okay? We were celebrating Christmas. And during the time of Christmas, if you were in our church, you heard messages about the angels' interaction with shepherds. Did you not? You heard about the angels' interactions with the shepherds. And what happened? The night that Christ was born... Angels show up, freak out some shepherds, tell them about Christ. One shows up and they were freaked out, announces, says, hey, don't be afraid. Christ is born. And then a whole multitude of angels appear. They materialize. So imagine you're a shepherd. Imagine you're just hanging out, doing your thing. An angel materializes. You are scared to death. You think I am about to die right now. And he says, don't be afraid. And then, boom, a multitude of angels show up and they begin worshiping Christ in front of these shepherds. Can you imagine the scene of that? If that happened in our church, like right now, I would put the mic down and probably wet myself a little bit, okay? Like, the reality is, it would freak us all out. But you know what? God designed the angels to worship and to worship Christ. Think about that. Christ is in a category all by himself. He's the son of God, and because he's the son of God, he is the one who is worshipped by the angels. Angels are not all about worshipping other angels. They're about worshipping Christ. If you study your Old Testament and your scripture as a whole, you'll find out that Satan himself was an angel who desired that type of glory, and God cast him from heaven. Why? Because God will share his glory with no angel. None. So, angels are amazing, but Christ is greater. Number three on your list, Jesus Christ, and this is going to throw some of you for a loop. Some of you, hopefully not a lot of you, but for some of you. Jesus Christ is God. You're like, hang on, back that train up. What? Jesus Christ is God. Look at verse 8 and 9. Well, let's start in seven. In speaking of angels, he says, he makes his angels winds, his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, your throne, O God. Did you catch that? God calls Jesus God. 
Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions. Okay, so for those of you who are new to Christianity or maybe haven't studied it, there's this term in theology called Trinity, okay? Trinity is, is not a Bible term. It's a, it's a theological term. Now, when I say theology, I mean the study of this right here, the study of God, the study of who God is, okay? And it's a term that we as humans had to, had to come up with to explain a truth that the Bible teaches us that our brains don't comprehend, okay? So I'm just going to put that out there. The Trinity to a human is one of the hardest things to grasp. The idea that God is three persons and one God. And so when God the Father talks about God the Son, Jesus Christ, he calls him God. God says he is one, and God says he is three persons, and we get to accept that by faith, knowing that we don't quite grasp it. That has to do with the ungraspable greatness of God, that he is outside of the realm of mankind. He does not operate the way that men do. One plus one does not always equal two in God's math. But God is God, and he answers to no man, and he answers to no angel, and he doesn't have to justify himself to us. He gives us an opportunity to accept him by faith. And so God calls Jesus Christ God. That should be pretty impactful for us today, should it not? In a culture that is geared at the worship of all things that are secular, you know, for some of us, I mean, shoot, there's even a show called American Idol, right? Like, oh, that person's our idol. I want to be just like that person until the next person comes in and bumps them off their little tear, however the show works. I don't know, I don't follow them, you guys might. But the point is, we offer worship to people that we would call an idol. And in this time, people were offering worship to angels and not to God himself. They thought that somehow Jesus was on the same level as an angel. And he's not, he is God. Point four, if you're keeping notes, Jesus Christ is eternal. And we're going to see that here as we unfold out of verse 10 and into 11. He also says, In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. The heavens. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, and you will roll them up like a robe, like a garment they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand. I'm going to stop right there. So notice that the writer of Hebrews, he wants to make his point even clearer about angels. He's not trying to minimize angels, but he's trying to maximize Christ. Because I think a lot of times we, we think of Christ in terms of what I tend to think of Christ as. You know, it's really easy to think of the incarnate Christ, right? The incarnate Christ. Jesus Christ, born in a manger, raised by a carpenter. He's a carpenter's son. You can think about Jesus as a carpenter, right? It's a pretty easy image. For me, it's super easy because I am a carpenter's son. I remember many nights working in the back garage with dad, 
building things like cabinets and shelves and bookcases and all sorts of other things that went into houses that he was building. It was very easy for me as a kid and even as an adult to think of Jesus as a carpenter's son, as a human, right? And that human, what I forget to remember is that same Jesus showed up long before his incarnation in scripture. He showed up at the moment of creation and he laid the foundations of the earth. John 1, 1 tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. John 1 is the clearest, in my opinion, the clearest depiction of Jesus being eternal. Number two, Hebrews chapter 1. These are the two points in Scripture where the writers of Scripture, both the Apostle John and then in this case the writer of Hebrews, makes it a point to show that Jesus didn't just show up as a baby. You know, like when, when my son Liam was born, he has a birth date, right? He has a birth date. That date was September 13, 2013. That was his start date as far as us knowing him, him knowing us, the world knowing him. For my wife, it started nine months earlier with morning sickness. She got to know Liam really good then, okay? And as she progressed through that, but regardless, he's making a point that Jesus Christ is eternal God. It wasn't at the moment that Mary gave birth to him in a manger that Jesus started, but he began with the world and he was in creation. He makes it a point to say that he laid the foundations of the world and who is speaking? God is speaking. He said, the heavens are the work of your hands. But guess what about the heavens and the earth and everything in this universe? It's sustained by the power of his word. So when we consider our universe and the world we live on, did you know, I just learned this this week as I was studying and I was interacting with another Christian man that, and I was talking to him about this passage and he said, and he told me something and I looked it up and he was right. Did you know the world, the earth that we're on right now, travels at 26 miles per second to make an orbit around the earth? Now, I don't know about you. I don't feel like we're traveling that fast right now. But Jesus sustains that by the, his own power. He created it, and he very easily can roll it up just like a robe and trade it out and make a new heaven and a new earth when he wants to. That's a category all its own. He's not an angel. He's Jesus. He's not an angel. He's the Son of God. He's not an angel. He is God. He's not an angel. He's eternal. And notice the end of this. Christ, Jesus Christ, becomes and is a supreme ruler. So, verse 13. To which of the angels did God ever say, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? As we're wrapping up today, I want to I mention about angels. Angels are amazing. I don't want to minimize the fact that angels are amazing. They're amazing spirit beings that are created by God, and they were created for, with two roles in mind. One of them is found here. In verse 6, let all God's angels worship him. Angels were designed, one, to worship Jesus Christ. And angels were designed, two, 
to serve those who will inherit salvation. Think about that. Who are those who will inherit salvation is the question. Well, that's you and me. God made angels to worship Christ and to serve those of us who would trust Christ. You see, the entire design of angels were not to be brothers of Christ, to not be somehow his equal, to not somehow be glorified as the same as Christ. They were made to worship Christ and to allow and to serve those of us who will inherit salvation. So what does that mean exactly? To be honest with you, I don't know 100%. What I do know is that God made them to serve us. How do they serve us? In so many ways that we will never even see. You know, we talked about how if an angel materialized in the room right now, how it'd freak us all out. According to God's word, sounds like there's probably an angel or more right here in this room. And as much as that blows our mind, that should pale, pale in comparison to who Christ is. You know, at the beginning, I was talking about great people that we might know. And what if you had a video of their worst day, right? What if you had a video of their worst day, how that would probably diminish what you thought of them. Christ's worst day was the day that he was beaten unjustly, and he was tried unjustly, and he drug a hunk of wood up a hill, and he was nailed to it to pay the penalty for my sin and for yours. That was his worst day. And it's on full display in the gospel because his worst day did nothing to diminish our thoughts of him. On his worst day, he paid the penalty for my sin and for yours so that if you believe in him, you would be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. What does that mean to become the righteousness of God? That means to be saved, to have a right standing before God. Jesus Christ on his worst day atoned for our sins, for our shame, for our guilt, for the things that make us so embarrassed when we think about it. Man, if your worst day was on film and mine, oh geez, you guys wouldn't even let me stand up here holding this mic if you saw my worst day. And I probably wouldn't let you hold the mic either if I saw yours. But we see Christ and him crucified. And he offers salvation to those who believe. So I've got one question as we close. We've seen Jesus Christ. He is ungraspably great. He is superior to angels in every way. Angels were actually made to worship him. And they were made to serve those who would inherit salvation. And the way to inherit salvation is to simply believe. Christ said it this way. He said, he who believes in me is not condemned. But he who does not believe in me is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So my question for you is, do you believe? Do you believe today? Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord God, we are so thankful that you're not an angel. God, you are in a category all your own. You are the Lord of all creation. 
You are eternal. You don't have a start date, and you certainly don't have an end date. You sustain the universe by the power of your might. God, you designed angels to worship Jesus. You designed angels to serve those of us who would inherit salvation. And God, if there's anyone in this room today that has never believed, may today be the day that they do so. In your name, amen. Amen.